Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I'm Kurt Elan, the managing editor of the NBA page at NBC with you as always. And today, uh, it's one of my favorite podcasts of the year. It is time to preview and look ahead to the NBA trade deadline. Is it going to be active? Is it going to be kind of a dud? There's certainly going to be buyouts afterwards. To look at all that, we're bringing in Mark Medina from the USA Today. And why are we even waiting around? I love this one. Mark, how are you doing, man? Kurt, I am doing well. It's great to hear your voice again. And why yeah. I wish uh, we'd be interacting at an NBA arena and watching you know, real-life basketball. Given, given the say of the world, I'll, I'll take it that I at least get to talk yeah. some hoops with you via the pod. Yeah, Mark is, is genuinely one of the people I miss seeing around the league a lot. Um, uh, and hopefully we will get to soon. Uh, there will be there will be a finals. I have no idea what that'll look like, but uh, it could be a Brooklyn-LA drive flight. We'll see about that one. Uh, and of course, then I don't know what summer league's going to look like, and there's USA basketball in there too. So all sorts of stuff ahead of us. Anyway, that's not what we're focusing on today. It is... The trade deadline, and Mark, I mean, I'm just going to throw this out at you first off. For, well, first, let's get the important stuff out of the way. You you can find Mark's work at USA Today, but uh, online, uh, where can where can they find you on the social media places? Yeah, well, uh, Twitter handle, Mark G underscore Medina, uh, Instagram, Medina Syracuse. Uh, not so obvious, not, uh, you know, the best, best college basketball team that can make some noise against San Diego State. Um, and, uh, yeah, USA Today has got a website, so you just go there. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed that everything that you said actually happens where we get to, to watch the finals in person and and go to summer league and there's an Olympics, but, uh, knock on wood. Yeah. Again, and let's be honest as a sports writer, I just tend to root for cities. I want to travel to for the finals. If it's Brooklyn, I'm pretty good with that. Like that, you know, there's other cities on that list I enjoy too, but I wouldn't be opposed to Brooklyn. So yeah, someone's got to go there. Yeah, somebody has to, I'll throw myself on that sword. Uh, somebody has to go to Howard Beckland. Um, so let's get into this. I guess we'll just start with the big question, Mark. Do you, are you looking at, and what you're hearing, are you expecting a busy trade deadline or just kind of more of a quiet trade deadline? Yeah, I, I think it's the, the John Wooden uh, quote where he said, don't make mistake activity for achievement. So I think with that, uh, yeah, we'll be busy. Yeah, I'm sure GMs will do their phone calls or maybe Zoom calls because of the times we're in. Um, but I don't think that there's going to be, I don't think there's going to be any, James Harden-esque type trades or anything that yeah. 
is uh, you know seismic shifting. But yeah, when there is a trade deadline, there are deals. But I was looking this up before we talked. Uh, last year, there were 17 deals before the trade deadline involving 56 players and 23 draft picks last season. I don't think it's going to be at that scope. But yeah, there are, I'm sure there will be trades. And uh, I think the bigger thing is there should be more buyout candidates. But I, I, again, I don't think it's going to be anything seismic shifting, but it will be enough to to keep us busy and give us something to talk about. Yeah, I think it's going to be end up being more tinkering around the edges. And yeah. Well, like you said, we, we've seen the biggest trade, right? Like the James Harden Ford team massive trade was the – was the seismic ground-changing trade of this season. I don't think we're going to see, obviously, nothing else along those lines, but I think that there could be deals that help teams, right? Like, there could be some trades where you're like, well, that makes, that makes you know, Team X a little bit better, a little bit better, and uh, there's some solid players out there who could get moved. So it'll be interesting to see just what people are looking to give up, though. Yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, when I'm looking at the guys that are likely going to be in a different uniform, it, I mean, it's already obvious. It's it's already been publicly announced, uh, you know, with Andre Drummond and um, yeah. LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, and I, so I, I know, obviously, if it's up to San Antonio, if it's up to Cleveland, that will involve them making a deal. But, you know, even if they're going to do that, uh, and there might be some trade negotiations, because of the size of the contract and what is it yeah. that you're willing to give up, I, I think it's more likely that those two guys in particular are buyout candidates. And, and those are, I think, the main guys to look at because of, you know, just what their potential is and what they could do to a team. But I don't think it's it's going to be a trade, but we'll, we'll see if San Antonio and Cleveland can pull something off and, and find some suitors. I'm with you. I, I just don't see a place where – I mean, there's pl- I can come up with places that LaMarcus Aldridge would absolutely help um, as a player. First off, there's teams looking for help at the four, but he's really not that anymore. He doesn't move that well. He can't really cover ground the same way he used to. This isn't LaMarcus from a few years ago. He's he's essentially a stretch five at this point in his career, right? Yeah, and I mean, he, he's not a great defender. He gets you consistent points, but I think a lot of times with San Antonio, it was just like empty calories. Like, yeah. and, and I say that, I don't think that he was being a disruptor in San Antonio. I think they liked him, but, no. yeah. you know, they're trying to pivot into putting even, even further development with the young guys. So I think, you know, with what San Antonio is saying they're trying to do is let's try to find something that's a win-win. And I think LaMarcus has to answer the question, well, what is a win-win for him? Is it a place that he can get a bigger role or is it a place that will help him win a title? I, I don't think that there can be a scenario where you can accomplish both. Uh, no. If he's going to win a title, it's he, it's going to have to be he's the Blake Griffin of another team uh, with what he's doing with the Nets. Uh, and if it's with a place that he's going to have a bigger role, well, great. The team's probably going to be terrible. So, uh, yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting to see what, which route it ultimately takes. And, you know, to what extent is this what San Antonio wants or is it what LaMarcus wants? And so I think because of that, again, I think it's it's going to be the buyout route because uh, yeah, it's so complicated. Exactly. And, and by the way, if you if, for people who just aren't familiar and are listening to this, they're actually like minus nine per 100 when he's on the floor. And essentially they have to play Jakob Pertl at the five he's just they're just much better when he is which just is more about where LaMarcus is in his career and and where he's going to be able to help you uh it's kind of limited 
Andre Drummond, frankly, brings a little more to the table. It is a it's an old school style game. He's still he's got good hands around the basket. He is a big body in the paint, and he is still one of the better rebounders in the league. Um, just it's just that nobody wants it's twenty eight point seven million dollars. That's that's a lot of money to move around, man. Yeah, and and again, this is why I think it's buyout route. So I mean, let's just assume that's what happens that they can't land a deal. I mean, I, I think if you're looking at suitors. Uh, the Lakers and the Celtics come to mind. Yes. Um, we were both those teams could use front court help. Will this wind up becoming another chapter in the NBA's biggest rivalry, like this bidding war for Andre Drummond? I mean, maybe. I think the same thing could, could apply to LaMarcus because both teams need that. Um, but I think assuming it is a buyout, uh, what's going to be very important is these guys have to know what they're signing up for. They are part of a role-playing piece on a championship contending team where they will still get shots. They they still will get playing time, but they're not going to have plays being drawn up for them. Their role might shuffle in and out. And I think particularly with the Lakers, you know, I think why the, 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 why they want to have some front court depth is I think for the worst case scenario that heaven forbid this Anthony Davis absence continues on or, you know, he has more injury complications, but if nothing else, it's just insurance for not putting too much pressure on him or because Marcus all hasn't been the same kind of player that they're helping, hoping. But I think, you know, with that, there could be a lot of fluidity, a lot of moving parts to what is being asked of them. But I think because of the basic necessity of, yeah, both of those teams are in the championship pond and they could use some front court depth. That's my guess of where Andre and LaMarcus ultimately land. Yeah, I think that with the Lakers, ultimately, you've got to get, and they're going to be really cautious with Anthony Davis, who's probably, according to Chris Haynes, our friend Chris Haynes, out of, like up to three more weeks right now. Um, you want to make sure that you're not overly taxing Anthony Davis, even when he does return. But in the playoffs your best lineup is still Anthony Davis at the five. So you need somebody to bridge you to those moments. And Andre Drummond could do that. Um, the question is, is he, does he want to change again? You think it's, as you mentioned before, does he want to chase the ring or does he want a role where he's a little more central? Um, and again, I'm Boston could do that. They, they certainly didn't need miles Turner. Um, they, <laughs> this summer, I will not bring that up again, but Andre Drummond isn't, he he's a solid defender just because he's kind of one of those guys like Marcus all who just, he's big and he knows how to be in the way. Yeah. And I think because of where Drummond has been specifically where he was with Cleveland, he was with Detroit. I mean, they, th- those teams weren't going anywhere. Yeah. Maybe that is what helps grease the wheels for him being open to what could be the next chapter of a better team, but a reduced role because he knows what it's like to just, you know, Get yeah. empty calories and still be losing games. I think that there is a fear, though, for players beyond you know the competitive reasons and pride that you know once once you're the guy that accepts a minimum contract deal, uh, a lot of times you become remaining that way because that's just how the market is, and, and GMs are trying to be savvy. So, but I, I am optimistic that I think because of where Drummond has been specifically these last few years that he, he will be open toward that. I, I think in LaMarcus's case, um, I do have some optimism with that 
Um, but I think it might be a little bit more complicated because the Spurs, it's not like they were a lottery team. They were, they were the Spurs. They were still yeah. always in the hunt. And even though the playoff streak ended last year, they still had a chance. They weren't in the lottery being a terrible team like Cleveland was. So it, it'll be interesting to see what ultimately pans out with those two guys. One other big contract name just kind of watch through this that I don't think ends up getting moved, but we'll see. Kyle Lowry uh, in Toronto has been mentioned in trade rumors, uh, specifically going back home to Philadelphia, where I think he'd be a great fit. Um, Miami could use him. Frankly, the Clippers could use him um, as the kind of point guard they're looking at. But he makes $30 million and is a, a un, you know unrestricted free agent after the season. I just don't see back to the same thing, even with Kyle Lowry, who I think contributes more and is still almost an all, was not an all-star, but is basically an all-star level player still. I just, I don't know that anybody's got $30 million in salary to move around to make this happen. And he probably stays put and then he'll have to decide this summer what he wants to do. Yeah. And, you know, everything is obviously a smoke screen around this time, but yeah. I think the fact that Kyle and the Raptors publicly went pretty strong in saying, you know, Kyle saying he wants to retire a Raptor. He's not, he doesn't want to go anywhere. And, and the Raptors saying that they want to, you know, keep him. Uh, there is a w- way of teams and players being creative with their language, especially during this time. But, you know, a lot of times when it's said in such strong terms, that makes me believe it a little bit more than if it was an evasive, oh, it's a business and I want to be here, but we'll see. But, you know, I also wonder if part of that just has to do with the prag- uh, the pragmatic reasons of, you know, are the, can the Raptors even find a better alternative? I mean, as much as yeah. they love Kyle Lowry, remember what they did? to DeMar DeRozan. He was Mr. Toronto Raptor, and he was the guy that wanted to be with that organization for life. But a better opportunity came up to get Kawhi Leonard. And, they, uh, you know, Masai Ujiri saw that as the price of doing business. And, you know, as far as, you know, dealing with the aftermath, he did it. Uh, as far as, you know, talking with DeMar and then, you know, talking with Kyle, who was upset at the time. Uh, at the end of the day, the business and the winning has more to do with anything else. Um, but if I had to guess, I, I think Kyle winds up staying put. But I, I know around the league, you know, even before the Raptors were struggling this season, after Fred Van Vliet had his, uh, you know, hefty new contract with the Raptors, you know, people around the league thought it just seemed inevitable that they were going to try to to phase Kyle out at some point to – to make it easier for Fred to develop and then also just kind of try to move on. But, you know, it's easier said than done when you tackle in what the market is, what Kyle's meant to the organization. Also, I think in fairness to Kyle, even if he's not the same player that he was before, he's still a pretty damn good player. Yes, he is. Yeah. He's also, I mean, Toronto is taking a step back of late. I mean, they've lost seven of eight. They've actually, if the playoffs started today, they wouldn't even be in the play in game in the East, which is, Kind of stunning for where I thought this team would be. I didn't think that they would fall back this much. Um, but again, I just don't see how they get value in this kind of trade. Like, they're going to do it. That said, you mentioned the big name. I I don't put anything past Masai Ujiri. The guy's a wizard and <laughs> comes up with trades and, and is aggressive in a way sometimes we just don't expect. So maybe something comes together 
I just, it's hard to picture. Um, let's, let's try this. Mark, if you were going to name one player you thought would actually be traded at the deadline, who is it? Um, I think P.J. Tucker. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah, because here it just seems like it's inevitable that his time in Houston's up, and the Rockets are terrible right now. I mean, they've been losing so many 16 games. 16 in a row, row. yeah. 16 in a row. I thought so. there was – there was a very short time period after the James Harden trade where it was like, hey, like they're they're not that bad. Like they could, you know, they're not going to be a gang busting team, but they could, you know, be competitive. And then it just went off the rails. And, you know, I think the context also matters where PJ, it's like take a deli ticket of another person who was upset with the Rockets organization, um, you know, even before all these different changes. I mean, there wasn't an extension, but, you know, even before the season started, he was upset with that. And, you know, he has a right to be ups- upset because he's a really good player. He can play all five positions. He's a great three-point shooter, great defender. Um, and so if, if yeah. the Rockets – but this is a pattern of behavior that, that goes to the top with Tillman Fertitta. I mean, he didn't extend Mike D'Antoni. Uh, you know, he didn't have any desire to stay after, you know, the second round exit happened. Then Daryl Morey leaves. Then James Harden and Russell Westbrook want to be traded. The Rockets accommodated Westbrook's demands a lot earlier than they accommodated James Harden. So this this is all falls under the same umbrella of why PJ wants to leave. And I think that it's it's one of these things that you better get something in return while you can as opposed to just you know, when he can become a free agent, laying him walk for nothing. So pencil me in as PJ will, will, will be traded, but then it's a matter of what is it going to be traded for? Um, I think there's, there's a lot of contending teams that could use him. You know, the Lakers could use his three point shooting and every championship contending team could use his defense. But now it's a matter of, you know, what are you giving up? And I think that the unique challenge of this season is when you're looking at the contending teams, there's not a lot of them that fall under the category of, Hey, they're just one piece away. And there's a lot of assets that they could afford to give up. I think the Celtics and the Sixers, they specifically are teams, especially because of the Brooklyn Nets loading up on stars. Like, Hey, they could, they could load up, they could use another piece, but what are they giving up? And that, that, that is the challenging part. But maybe it just falls under. Houston has to just cut their losses and, and accept, you know, quarters on the do- dollar with this. That might be the case, but they've been asking for a player, not just picks. They, they, yeah. they got a ton of picks in the Brooklyn deal. They're kind of, I don't want to say they think they're set, but they got a lot of picks coming. They're not going Sam Presti hoarder on, on picks here. So they want a player back. And it's, if you're thinking about the Lakers, like I don't know that I want to put Talon Horton Tucker. Like I like him. I don't know that I want to throw that in that. So who who are you putting in as a player in this trade to appease them? And I think that that's that's the case of whether you're looking, like you said, look, a defensive minded stretch for. There's a lot. Look, he struggled this year. PJ Tucker has not played at the same level, but it's not only just a weird season. I don't know that I take anything out of what's going on in Houston. Like that is a hard team to read. They've been up and down. I I would fall under, and I know other, I talk to people from teams who've said basically, 
look, you get him out of that situation, you put him back in a normal situation in a, in a contending team, and you're going to get pretty much maybe half a look, he's aging, but you're still going to pretty much still get PJ Tucker. He can shoot threes. He's got a big body. He can defend. He's going to be fine. Once you get him in our system. Um, I just don't know how much you're willing to sacrifice long-term for that short-term game. Yeah. I mean, amen to what you said. I mean, PJ Tucker's shooting numbers are down because he wasn't playing with James Harden and Russell Westbrook anymore. Yeah, exactly. They were getting a lot of attention. And I think you plug him into a, another high caliber team, it's the same circumstance. I mean, he's going to make a lot more threes because he's open and he's in rhythm. And when you're winning, uh, that has a way of, you know, fueling the hot hand as well as defense. I mean, when you're losing, it's hard to, it's hard to be engaged when you're missing shots. It's harder to be engaged. But the question that you raised is it's something I wish I had an answer to. What are you willing to give up? Yeah, I think I think the Western Conference teams, their play, their stronger play is you know hoarding the continuity. Uh, in the East, maybe it's a little bit different, but I'm struggling to think Celtics, Sixers specifically. Who do you give up to get that? Uh, yeah. Daryl Morey and Danny Ainge are very creative executives. I'm sure they have better answers than me. But off the top of my head, I'm really struggling for answers with that. Yeah. If I were going to pick one guy who definitely would be moved, actually Tucker might have been on top of my list, but the other guy right there for me is George Hill. I, oh, I would yeah. be surprised if he finishes the season with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And again, what team couldn't use a rock-solid backup veteran point guard who can defend a little, hit some threes? Like George Hill is a guy you can just plug into every contending team, and he just makes you a little bit better. Um, unlike Houston, Sam Presti will take your picks, man. <laughs> he will take every pick you could give him. He's got, um, I've lost count. What are they up to? 4,628 picks? Yeah, that, that, uh, that, that sounds about right. Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit shorter. Actually, I, I did, you know, give, give me a second here. Cause, uh, I, I got the exact number from a, a, a text with someone in the Thunder organization a few weeks oh. back. But uh, yeah, we can continue to talk here, but I'll, yeah. I'll put it up so we have the exact number to show how crazy they're going to be. Okay, okay, I pulled it up. They have 18 first-rounders between <laughs> 2021 and 2027, and they have 11 second-rounders. So, I mean, basically, from this summer's draft to 2027, they may as well be picking one through 30. <laughs> yeah, that's just crazy. And by the way, that's building on top of the fact I've been, I've been wanting to write about this. And it's one of those things I just haven't gotten to for three things or something yet. Shea Gilgis Alexander is taking a step forward. Like he's good. He is. Yeah. I mean, the Clippers. I mean, and I remember getting this from Clippers people when they had, you know, they made the trade. You had to make the trade, right? You you, you trade him for Paul George, but they knew what they were giving up. They yeah. understood that they were giving up a really quality point guard who was going to be very good. And by the way, They've got Dort now. Like, th- there's some pieces there that are part of their future. Um, you add all those picks in, and it's going to, you know, that could be a really interesting team in a few years. You, when you have 18 first-round picks over, what, six, seven years, you can take some risks, right? You can you can take some flyers on the, well, I would say the boomer bust kind of guys, the high-risk, high-reward guys. If 
you can afford to take that risk because if you take three of them and only one of them pans out, well, that's fine, man. Like that one guy who pans out pairs with Shea Gildas and everything else, and suddenly it looks pretty good. So Yeah, and I mean, just to tie all this stuff in a bow and make it full circle, I can totally see the Thunder having similar priorities. I mean, last year of those 18 first-round picks, those were four of them involving – you know, that Stephen Adams deal. Yeah. And then they had six of those second rounders part of the, uh, that were of the 11 in the fall. So I wonder when I'm talking about, hey, it's going to be hard to trade some of these guys. Maybe the Thunder is the, the stopgap team that hoards these players in exchange for maybe shifting some young talent out, getting yep. some draft picks. But I think where Sam Presti is going to be shrewd and strategic is he can't have just an empty roster and just a bunch of picks. They do want to start developing talent. And I think that's where they draw the line with Shea Gilgis Alexander. I think George Hill is a different case. He's a veteran player. Um, You know, Trevor Reza, he has been held out the entire season. a la Andre Iguodala last year with Memphis. So like those are deals or buyouts to be made. Uh, But I think that the Thunder, they do want to have a culture they do want to develop young guys, and then you know, unlike last year when they got the Chris when they got Chris Paul, you know, as much as I think people were expecting that they would flip him eventually, um, he is a good culture guy. He is a good mentor type guy. And yes. again, I don't want to say that Lamarcus or Andre or or PJ Tucker are like toxic guys. They aren't that, but I don't think they are. You know culture guys that that help mentor younger players like they are part of they are all complementary pieces that are great with good teams but to have them be part of a rebuilding project like a it's not what either those guys want to sign up for but b in fairness to a lot of times players don't have a say in this i also don't think that it's something that the thunder would want either because they're trying to to have guys that are going to be part of the long-term future as well. Fair enough. Let's talk about a couple other names that are bouncing around out there. One that's been kind of hot the last few days, Aaron Gordon. Um, Orlando kind of finally looking to shift some of this. Look, a team decimated by injuries, their future is more along the lines with um, Jonathan Isaac and, you know, Malkrell Fultz has been out this season, but those are the guys who are the future. They'd like to get more players on that timeline. Um, picks and players. So Aaron Gordon, two years, a d- decreasing contract available, makes 18.1 this year, can help teams. I, I just, I, there's a lot of, un, I don't want to say untapped potential because he's obviously a known quantity, but he's always felt like that a little bit. Like he could be a little bit more. What would happen if you put him in the right situation? So there's been teams, Dallas, Denver, some teams kicking the tires on a, uh, Aaron Gordon trade. Yeah, I think he'd be a great fit. And, you know, some of his struggles had to do with his left ankle injury, Um, Mm -hmm. but also just the the magic, you know, they're a very well-coached team by Steve Clifford. Um, But the problem is, you know, because they're in a small market and they can't get big free agents and they haven't been bad enough to be a lottery team, like they're just a stagnant team that, you know, just kind of spins its wheels, right? Um, and so I think if the Magic do want to move forward, they're going to have to 
you know, start again. And it's bad to say this because this is what happened with Dwight Howard when he left and, and got traded in 2012, but it's just the reality. So I expect that he, they will definitely try to trade him. I mean, he's been getting a lot of playing time since he's come back and that's, uh, you know, that's part of showcasing and showing that he's healthy and this is what he can do as far as, uh, you know, shooting the ball better and defending really well. But again, it goes back to the central question, what do you give up? And I think on one hand, the fact that, you know, he he has one year left on his contract, that that makes it appealing, but it's a pretty sizable number. So that's a tough one. Yeah, he makes 16-4 the next season, which is, yeah, you're still paying that. And then frankly, if you like him, you're going to have to pay beyond that. So you're thinking longer term. I do like in concept, um, especially in Dallas. Look, I'm, if you don't think Chris Stapps Porzingis is the guy and they're, you know, look, they've at least tested the market to see what, I don't know that they were that eager to move him, but they were at least willing to, you know, check the market and see what the value was. If, but if you decide Chris Stapps isn't the guy, Aaron Gordon setting a pick is we know he can roll and finish. He's dunked a few times, um, but but he's also a, I want to say off the top of my head I didn't look it up. Thirty six, thirty seven percent from three can pop out. Has that kind of versatility that he'd be a really interesting pick and roll partner with somebody like Luca or even Jalen Brunson. Um, like you can see where he would fit there, and I think you can start playing that into other teams as well. So. Um, interestingly, Houston came up as a team interested in him. I'm like, is that just as a floor raiser? They do. By the way, Houston's going to win some games, by the way, once they get Christian Wood is going to be back soon. And uh, that, that'll help. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that'll help a lot, but um, it'll be interesting to see. I just, it's a name that bounced around a lot lately. And, and a guy who I think this is another guy like PJ Tucker, you put him in the right setting and he might look a whole lot better. Yeah. I, this is just my personal opinion. This isn't anyone yeah. saying this, but I don't think that losing teams should be making a run for Aaron Gordon. I don't know how yeah. much that accomplishes, but I think a team like Portland, you know, they can yeah. use front court depth. That would be a great fit. Again, I, I has, you know, Neil O'Shea is a great GM, so he has better answers than me, but I, I don't know what you give up, but they can certainly use the help. I mean, Mello has been fine, but he's not the same player. But the bigger thing is, with Nurkic's injuries, like you can always have more depth there. Um, the poor Porzingis idea. I mean, look, Mark Cuban's going to say what he has to say publicly and Hey, he's not going anywhere. Whether that actually happens or not, who knows? But I, I, I'm a little bullish on this that I don't think that they should be entertaining that idea. I mean, it's one thing to listen to calls and see what the best offer is, but you know, maybe I'm just naive to this, but I I am bullish on the idea that this Porzingis Luca pairing will be good eventually. But it's just a matter of, you know, Porzingis. He's coming off of injuries, and you know, it's fair yeah. to it's fair for the people that might think he's injury prone. But I I would also argue that it's just been unique circumstances, and I think that once he gets out of that, he has shown that he has a really good fit with that team and with Luca. And it's not a coincidence that, you know, that first round series against the Clippers, anytime that he got ejected or had foul trouble, like the rails went off because he wasn't on the floor. So 
I, I think if I were Dallas and Don Nelson and Cuban, I would I would keep them, but who knows? All right, I'm going to make you somebody else. You are Mark. You're now Travis Schlenk in Atlanta. So sorry. Oh my gosh. Sorry, sorry, you've lost all your hair. Um, oh man, you're making me go bald. <laughs> yeah, it's it's rough. Having sorry about that. With, having to deal with Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce is firing, and yeah, I, I I've just expectations in Atlanta. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I've given you a great job. What do you do with John Collins? Well. When a player turns down an extension, you always wonder, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, And usually the writing on the wall means that they want to look elsewhere. But, you know, at the same time, sometimes it's financial. So where, you know, they could be due for getting a bigger payday in the following summer. Um, But look, like, they've already have a pretty hefty payroll. I think that you're better off trying to get what you can and, yeah. and dealing him elsewhere. I mean, they, they, they thought they got a lot of good moves and I thought that they did make some good moves last summer with getting Bogdanovich and yep. you know, getting, getting Rondo and you have a young core with Trey young and that exceeded the expectations. Yeah, I, I think you're better off trying to see what you can get. And maybe this is the time to do it because it's the trade deadline. I agree. I think, you know, because he is a restricted free agent this summer, so now you're either having to match or set up a sign-and-trade or something. Um, it might be easier to do it now. Yeah, thought, and, they have, and they have Clint Capella, too. So that's, I mean, that, that's, that's what I was just about to say. To me, the writing was on the wall. If you traded for Clint Capella, whether you think John Collins will ultimately be better, he's certainly younger, that's a heck of an overlapping skill set. And I just, you know, they've been able to make it work pretty well relatively, but I just don't think that that's the long-term play there. So you look and see what you can land for him. This is John Collins is going to get paid this summer. He is a future 20 and 10 guy. He is bouncy. He is, there's a lot to like there. Um, Somebody's going to, some team is going that has the cap space and is is young and developing is going to pay him. So it'd be interesting. I, I'm with you. If I'm them, I'm seeing what I can do now because I just can't imagine that he's part of the long term future in the ATL. And if if not, then then get it done now. And by the way, the other part guy we didn't mention, you've got Clint Capella. You've also got DeAndre Hunter when he gets mm-hmm. healthy and back. Boy, did he take a step forward this season. He's been fantastic, and that brings you wing defense. Uh, you probably can't ever have enough of that, but I don't know that John – again, I think you've got – you can replace sort of what you get with John Collins, and maybe you can get something that fits a little better um, as a as a two next to Trey Young in the backcourt or something, depending on what you can find. So Yeah, and that's, that's why, I mean – you know, not to go down this rabbit hole, but this is why I was surprised Lloyd Pierce was fired to begin with because, yep. you know, you had really notable injuries. And, you know, you still had young guys, and even though you added some veterans, they're all new. But I think the more that time has sifted away, it, it seemed clear that it wasn't even just about results. It was about just the guys buying in and how much was his voice resonate anymore. And, you know, Nate McMillan's a great coach. I mean, he has a lot of experience. Um, but, yeah, I think that, you know, because of DeAndre Hunter's injury, but the potential he showed before that, they are going to be set up for success, uh, you know, in the short-term future. But how close that is, who knows? It'll, it'll be interesting to see. 
Yeah. Uh, we're going to jump to uh, the other coast in a team, well, not the coast, but uh, inland in Sacramento. Harrison Barnes has been linked to Boston for a while now. Um, and there's certainly, frankly, if there's a position of need around the league right now, when you look at the contenders with the Lakers and the Bucks and, and a bunch of teams, a lot of teams, Denver, a lot of teams could use a four, right? Like, um, there's a lot of teams looking for that. Harrison Barnes is better at the four, makes a decent amount of money, but is rock solid as a, is actually playing some of his best basketball this year. I got to think if I'm Sacramento, I'm trying to get something there, right? Like, obviously, you're not making the play- you're not making the playoffs this season. So, is it time to think about moving him and maybe Buddy Heald? I would think, but you know, in a nod, Sam, our friend Sam Aaron from the Athletic. Yeah. Uh, recently this week, he, he reported that the Kings are thinking kind of the opposite. And, yeah. and the re and the reasoning was that, you know, one, you know, as with all 29 other franchises, they've, they've taken a financial hit and, and that's kind of sapped their willingness to dig deeper into their pocketbooks as far as spending goes. Yeah. Um, and even if they might be delusional, like they're technically, still in the competitive mix. And so I think that they feel that they're better off, you know, sticking with them. Now, that being said, if the Boston Celtics or any other team like delivered the moon to them, yeah, sure. They would do that. But Harrison Barnes, I love him. He's a great guy. Great. Yes. Great player, but he's a role player. He's not a, a game changing kind of guy. And I think his impact is even less than what we were talking about. The buyout candidates with LaMarcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond. Wow. Like he's, he's not, he's not even on that part. So, you know, I, I, with that, I can't see as much of the fact that, you know, the Celtics could use a wing player and they want to upgrade their roster to get in a bidding war or not even a bidding war, but to be trading their tr- Trevor Trove of whatever. I, I just don't see it. Yeah. But, I don't think I'm with you. I don't think he gets moved. Although I do think he would have more of an impact. He's going to eat more minutes than somebody like Drummond or. Um, yeah, no, that's fair. That's he, fair. He's, I mean, he's part. He's a healthy young part of the rotation. But I'm with you that he's not a guy. Like he's a good, solid rotation player, right? Like you can bring him in, and he won't hurt you much. Like he won't. Like he'll be solid, but I don't know that he makes you dramatically better. Um, other than, you know, if look, I I get it if you're. If you're Miami and you're like, man, Kelly Olynyk is not the answer at the four. We miss Jay Crowder. Who can we go get? You can maybe get Harrison Barnes, but is Harrison Barnes noticeably better than Kelly Olynyk? And you've got to give up something to get it. Get him. I'm just not, not completely sold. I do expect eventually they've got to move on from Buddy Heald. I don't know if that'll be at the deadline or this summer, only because De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton are Halliburton are the the. They're the backcourt, right? That's the backcourt of the future. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, what's really interesting with Buddy is, I mean, he's he's made it known publicly that he didn't see eye-to-eye to what his role was under Luke Walton. But nope. it has since expanded. Their partnership has since gotten better. Uh, doesn't mean that he's there long-term, but maybe that buys time as far as their thinking goes before the trade deadline as opposed to next summer. Um, you know, because he, he is getting more playing time. He's playing relatively well. But, yeah, to the point that you're making, the, the future of the Kings is De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton and not Buddy Heald. Yeah. 
One other name to watch, I would be, wouldn't be surprised if J.J. Redick, via trade or buyout, switches teams and is another guy, I think, that once you put him in the right situation, I don't think J.J. Redick forgot how to shoot. Like, he may not be doing it quite as well as peak J.J. Redick, but I think he, that's a guy who can good in the locker room and can step in and, and get some guys some buckets. I think, I, I think the, the Pelicans are going to be sellers at the deadline. Yeah, and it, it's unfortunate because – you know, he was a really good veteran presence last year, but, you know, he's had some injuries. He's not hitting shots. Yep. And so at, at some point, you know, what, what's the point of the Pelicans having him if he can't fulfill that job description? But I think also in fairness to JJ, what's the point in him being on a yep. young team if they're not making that playoff push that they thought that they could make? Exactly. And, you know, I'm a believer – in Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram with their growth, they've shown it. Their long-term trajectory is amazing, but I thought they would be in a much better position they were this season than I thought opening the season. Like I was envisioning, you know, they have Sam Angundi as a coach now. Yeah. They fell short in the bubble. You know, Zion's not going to be on this minute restriction. Ingram just got an all-star appearance. I, I thought, the stock would be a lot higher for them opening the year than they have been. I know it's been unique, and the West is the, the loaded Wild West. But, yeah, if I'm right, what's the point of being there? Yeah, I'm with you, by the way. When they brought in Stan Van Gundy, I if you told me they were, and I haven't looked recently, but they were bottom three in the league in defense last time I checked, um, that is not where I expected a Stan Van Gundy team to be, and you know that that's eating at him. Um that's an interesting situation. By the way, I'm, I don't want to go all the way down the rabbit hole with this, but do you think Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson are – can they be paired together on a, a contending team? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I think they're, they're, their chemistry is great. Um, I think it's just a matter of filling in the rest of the roster around them. And so if I'm the Pelicans, like they're – that's their ticket. That's that's the duo that they want to have long term. Uh, it's you know I wouldn't go str- as strong as what Brandon Ingram <laughs> said about you know Zion's the most talented teammate he's ever played with. I mean, Brandon yeah, I did play with this guy named LeBron James, right? I heard, but, I heard he's pretty good. That LeBron yeah, guy, he is kind of good. Yeah, just give him a few more years and he can make some noise. But uh, <laughs> he, but, yeah, might, I, he might still be making really good noise in a few years at this point. I mean. He just, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> unbelievable. Anyway. But, yeah, but that, is, that comment aside, yeah, I, I think that they are a duo that you want to keep long-term, and it's just a matter of finding the right play, people to develop and go from there. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting deadline. Are there any other teams you think, man, any other players you're watching or teams you're thinking, I know Denver is trying – Denver wants to be active. They are trying to find something. They, I think that they feel like you just – I think you said this about them earlier. They're a piece away, right? Like they think they're one piece away. Um, I just don't know if they can find that at the deadline. Yeah, I think that they're, they're always going back and forth on that question and, and specifically with Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. But my sense from you know talking to people in that organization, they're going to – try to lean on the fact that their up and down play this year has more to do with the fact that there's been a lot of injuries yeah. and some different 
roster turnover with secondary guys leaving, you know, Jeremy Grant, for example, and then Ganja Michael Green, and that they're just going to stick with this hope that, you know, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. is this trio of players that can develop into something special. Uh, but we don't know. I mean, the, yeah. really the only definitive on the Nuggets is that Nikola Jokic is going to be an all-star every year, and he's amazing, and that Mike Malone's a, a good coach. But other than that, I mean, Jamal Murray, you see him have a breakout year in the bubble, but then he's up and down this season. Then Michael Porter Jr., you think, hey, this is a really young talent, but then he misses a lot of time because of the protocols, and then he has some up-and-down play. But I think because of the, the fluid, crazy nature of the season, I think they're better off just kind of staying put. And if there are <clears throat> changes that they have to make to the roster, then do that in the offseason. I think the other part of this, Mark, is and, – and Denver isn't alone in this. It's really hard to take anything away from this weird season, right? Like the condensed start, the travel, everything. I like – I just – Every time you talk to teams and, and people with trying to take a big picture view, they're like, man, I, it's sort of like I don't, don't read too much into the bubble was kind of a, a phrase for a while now. I think that even applies to this season. Condensed season, guys in and out of the lineup, no fans in the building. It's just been weird, and it's hard to draw big picture conclusions off of what might be just kind of a one-off season because some guys aren't going to adapt to this as well. Yeah, and I would look at this two ways. I mean, specifically in the Western Conference. I mean, you can easily make the big picture conclusions of, like, who are the contending teams. Yeah. It's the Jazz, the Lakers, Clippers. But, like, from 5 to 11 or even 12, like, I think that is subject to change by the game. So the Nuggets right now, they're fifth place in the West. But a week from now, they could be ninth. And that applies to Portland, that applies to San Antonio, that applies to Dallas, Golden State. So I think what what you should be signing up for is that all of those teams I mentioned, they are due for winning a game here or losing a game there, getting a two-game winning streak, two-game losing streak, yeah. three-game winning streak, three-game losing streak, and guys playing really well, guys not, and then the guys being in and out of the lineup because of injuries or you know health and safety protocols. So. It's just a weird season, to say the least. Exactly. I'll just say, I've been doing the power rankings at NBC for years. Oh, and there's, there, there's, <laughs> uh, um, there, it's just a challenge every week. But there's always a muddled middle, right? There's always kind of a middle where I'm like, is this team really better than that team? It's just bigger this year. It's so much harder to read uh, with teams that, you know, Steph Curry and the Warriors can basically beat anybody any night or lose to anybody any night. And I don't quite know where to what to do with them. They're a 500 team, and that I guess, probably about right because I'm not quite sure what to make of them, and there's a whole lot of teams like that. Yeah, and I think you know two factors in play that you wonder uh, go into this with this unique set of circumstances. A, even if they're not playing the way that you want them, does disrupted continuity with adding new pieces cause even more problems than maybe solve them? Unless it's you know a clear-cut either game-changing type of player a la James Harden or a role-playing piece that you can plug in, like Blake Griffin. Yeah. And then the second thing, you know, the fact that teams haven't been having fans in the building, 
like A, they don't have the same kind of business pressure. They have kind of the business pressures of not wanting to spend money because you don't have the revenue stream. Yeah. And also the pressure of, you know, gauging from fans. How, how do they react when teams are losing? You don't have that because there's no one in the building. So yeah. uh, you wonder, is it almost like an ignorance is bliss kind of circumstance there? So a lot, a lot of moving factors and, and, and uh, variables that are kind of unique to this year. Absolutely. And that's why I think it'll be a little, I'm with you. I think it'll be a little bit quiet, but then it'll, it'll get interesting. And when it does get interesting, you can find about, about it both at, from Mark Medina, who will be writing a bunch of trade stories if they happen at the USA Today. And of course we'll have them at NBC Sports. Mark, thank you, man, for taking the time to do this. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It's always, it's always fun talking hoops on your pod. It's always fun talking to you, man, and hopefully soon we can get together. And uh, I was going to say buy you a beer. I've seen the beer at Staples Center after the game. We'll, we'll do something better than that. Okay. A beer at LA Live across the street. Yeah, there we go. Now we're talking. <laughs> That's much better. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon, hopefully. All right. Uh, stay well, be safe, and do all those things. And fingers crossed that normal comes sooner rather than later. Yes, and thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back next week with more of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast, probably then talking a lot of trade deadline. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 